I had the news is GDC wrap up, dice wrap up. <coughs> Monique put in here that Sam is a teenage heartthrob. Oh, yeah. And a teenage dirtbag. Scotch. <laughs> 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 Hey everybody, welcome to episode 88 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I don't even know what's happening right now. I'm Sam and I also don't know what's happening. And today is March 7, <laughs> 2017. Uh, we somehow landed, we missed, we somehow fell in between February and March. <laughs> Landed, we landed in the board. <laughs> so I want to live in the world where the way you pronounce the calendar must be <laughs> Wait, wait. Is there a mortuary? Ooh. There is. That's the end of March. The last day. The last day of when March. You, <laughs> when you mortuary. think about all the all the good times you had in March. And then you die. And yeah, then you die. Uh, also, warning, anything <laughs> could happen on this show. There's going to be profanity and we're going to talk about stuff. Super adult and stuff. You, and like mortgages. Mortgages. Uh, and mortuaries. Responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Chids. Yep. Mm-hmm. So be- brace, your- brace yourselves. <laughs> Are you ready? Put some ready. braces on your teeth. All right. So <laughs> brace your teeth because it's, it's March time. So we're, we're already off the rails. We're super tired. <laughs> we had a, it was a two. We missed the podcast last week. Why did. Why? Yeah. Sorry about that, everybody. We were gone. Yeah, Where'd we, we gone to? We'd, go, we'd gone to GDC. The GDC is a conference, <laughs> the Game Developers Conference. It it's happens, like Khaleesi yeah. from Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> happens in San Francisco uh, every year. We always go. It's February, end of February, beginning of March. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was way early this year. Usually it's middle of March. It did feel early. It was February 27th. All I know is it's always during my wife's birthday. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No matter how no matter how they slide it forward and back, they always make sure that it overlaps with my wife's birthday. Like, make sure that one day's in there. Though. Yeah. Can't I don't be too know. far. It's a problem. But hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Uh so we went to GDC. We we why do we go there? What's happened? What is it so, even? So the game developers conference has it's basically all of all of the game developers in the world try to go to this uh, conference in San Francisco to both share knowledge. So there's there's conference tracks, so you can buy like an indie pass, which let, gives you access to a bunch of talks by the indie developers that are you know postmortems or maybe pieces of tech they built and talking about approaches to studio development, whatever. There's business tracks about you know how to run a studio about building a diverse workplace, all this stuff. So Most, words, mostly there's business tracks about different ways you can put ads in your games. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so there are a lot of ad Sponsored companies. Sponsored by ad companies. Yeah. A lot of ad companies, these things, which is always amusing. It was um, a joke, because every time we sat down and said hello to somebody, it turned out they were another ad company representative. Yeah, so we're, like, we're like, so what studio are you with? And like, ads. And we're like, ah, shit. It's almost more that like locked the in. ADDC. Yeah. Ad developers, ad distributors, <laughs> developers conference. Also, yeah. I like the idea that it's ADDC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so a lot of ad networks are there. Uh, but the whole the whole point of going for, for most people is essentially to go. It, so in one part is to hear talks and gain some knowledge. Another part is to meet people. And I think the third sort of ambient part is to sort of uh, be a part of these the culture of, of game making. Just to kind of just put your finger on the pulse. Yeah, be with your people. Of the game dev community. Put your finger you know? on people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just kind of get a sense of like, what's going on out there. Yeah. What are people making? We did feel a lot of pulses. What are people talking yeah. about? People thought it was a little weird. We just walk up to them. 
Poke put a finger neck. in the neck. Yeah, yeah. We de- I think we might have gone to the wrong uh, like networking seminar about that. About what <laughs> you're supposed to do to what, how you're supposed people. To, yeah. yeah, feel the pulse. We just kind of yeah. They're like yeah, just feel the pulse of the, of the world. You know, we just walk around and just like jam people right in the jugular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. So we actually. So our goal has been for the last four years or so because there's our fourth one in three years, right? Yeah. So that's how they line up. And uh, our goal ever since we went to our first one was to be able to go and give a talk. In one part, because it sort of legitimizes your studio and your ideas for GDC in to theory. say, in theory, for them to say, yeah, sure, you can have a platform to tell people stuff. Two is it gives you a free pass. That's which, the best part. That's the best part. Yeah, and those shits are expensive. Because a full <laughs> access a full access pass to GDC is something like $2,000, I think. Yep. So we were like, you know, we would like to get those for free. And <laughs> although, oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sam Sorry, got the flu. I got the flu. So I'm yeah. recovering. Um, I had a cold. So, yeah. so I was fine. The final one. Yes, that's so well fine. But so the final piece um, for us in terms of, of giving a talk was just to see what, what happens. What, what happens, happens if, if you give a talk at GC? Because everyone always, it seems like it's supposed to be a big deal. Right. So it's like a big, it's like the I mean, GDC that, certainly acts like it's a big deal. It does. So the question was, what happens? What happens if you give a talk at GDC? Uh-huh. And in the, in the past couple of years, we usually have actually, we spent a lot of time crafting one pitch for a talk and then we send it in and then we get rejected. So this happened the last two times. It's just a tradition. Yeah. We're just like, it's time. So this it's past year, shit on. <laughs> this past year we were like, you know what? We're giving it goddamn talk at GDC. And especially with Crashlands, we were like, we have a lot of things to talk about. And at least we think so. would be valid worth sharing. And so uh, we actually, we we made 11 different pitches. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It set 11 different pitches in and it actually got two of them through, almost three of them. Yeah. Um, so, two so, nine, so we got nine talks rejected this year yeah. instead of the traditional one. Yeah. So we, we realized it's, it's kind of like launching <laughs> so we actually games, did right? way worse than we normally do. <laughs> yeah. So roll the dice. So we yeah. just rolled a lot more dice this year. Yeah, um, it's like a game launch. Yeah, we got two talks in, and so uh, we we also did those at GDC. And so that was a, a Crashlands postmortem, which was on Tuesday, and then a sort of history of the studio talk, which was on Thursday, and um, sort of a studio postmortem. Yeah, I guess yeah. studio midmortem. Midmortem. Yeah. yeah. So we're like still alive. dying, I guess. Yeah. We're all, I mean, we're all dying slowly. Yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. We just cut it open and go for it. Right in the middle. Yeah. yeah, so uh, I think that the point for us we're going to GDC was to test all these things about what does it mean to give a talk. And uh, it was good. So we, we delivered on the on the promise that we'd made for the talks, which was to, in my case, I was like, I want to get a standing ovation for the crash post postmortem. And the only reason I thought that was possible is not because I could talk you know, very emotionally powerfully about numbers. because Not because necessarily you're good at talk. Well, I mean, I am good at talk. <laughs> No, I think because I am going to talk, but but the the story of Crashlands happens to weave in all the cancer stuff too, and the brother yes. story. It's a good story. It's a really good story, and so um, and it's not just about the game, which really and you're yeah, and you're good at talk, yeah, which is the yeah. is the thing at the end of the day. So so we managed to pull that off. We did not get the backflipping one though, which I know was what we were. The goal was we established nobody ended up in podcast. space. There were no human pyramids. No, so yeah. basically a failure. I yeah. basically failed the talk. It's really embarrassing, um, actually. Like after the talk, everyone was just standing and applauding, and I like I felt really bad for. Standing. Yeah, and then I looked. I looked back at the camera, and I was like, "Oh shit, it's recording." I, I was hoping there was going to be a technical problem, but yeah, they yeah. weren't going to catch. We could just say just this. This horrible. There's a human pyramid that did a backflip. It was so good. Yeah, yeah. but now there's video evidence that that definitely didn't happen. Well, I mean, the, I think this <laughs> camera. Stopped recording probably. So after end? that, oh, maybe you know, maybe who knows? Maybe after we all left GDC, all the remaining Just developers GDC one made a human pyramid. pyramid. <laughs> it's hard to say, you know, anything could have happened. That's yeah, true. but so the, the talks went, went really well, and the, the Thursday one went well. 
also. Um, and it was fun because I think I th- I, the way I was conceiving of it was essentially a mass networking opportunity. Where usually if you want to go tell your story or your studio's approach to a hundred people. You do it gonna, one at a time. It's like one at a time. So like the, on the best days at the conference, we would get between 20 and 30 business cards. Right. So and we're, that we're, took forever. That took forever. And we're like, we're pretty good at networking. I think, you know, we spend between like 10 and 15 minutes per, per person chatting and maybe longer if it's a really good conversation, but it's usually really hard to reach that many people. So in one shot, if you have a good talk, then you can essentially reach, it's a one to many sort of approach. And then they mm-hmm. come up afterwards oftentimes and, and exchange cards. Well, and, and also the, the networking side of it can be exhausting because of the fact that you are telling, Pitching. you're telling people the same stuff over yeah. and over and over again. And you're asking a lot of the same questions over and over yeah. again. Like you say, you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm sad. I'm from Buzz Here's what we do. What's your studio? What do you do? What game are you working on? You know, you mm-hmm. kind of run through the same thing. And it, like you said, every now and then there's some interesting stuff that comes up and then you get to go deeper. But, mm-hmm. but all, like the first 10 minutes is still kind of establishing context. Right. And dominance. Of course, of course, establishing <laughs> dominance. You got to do the alpha handshake. Shove your yeah. finger into their jugular to check their pulse. And then yeah. You, so like you do a handshake and you pull them to you. <laughs> you got to do the handshake and where stare them down they the reach out time. their right hand and then you grab the back of it with your left hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And that's then you move. Then you punch their closed fist with your right hand. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. It's really intense. That's a good power move. It's just, it's a power move. It, it's uh, dangerous though. What did you guys yeah, think so. of GDC overall? Because like, I think, uh, so we hit our goals as far as the talks. They you, they worked really well for networking stuff. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people reached out afterwards and, and wanted to hear more about the various weird things that we're doing. And it turns out, I think my, my big takeaway actually from GDC is that we are, we are weird. We are super duper weird. I don't know if, I don't know if you listeners have noticed this. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, What's your take? Uh, my take is everybody has their own kind of approach to things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would definitely say that the way that we tend to uh, dig into things a lot and we take a lot of experimental and, and scientific angles to things. Um, and so, we, for example, we've been we've been planning out what we're going to be doing for our next game. Like, what's our five-year plan? Uh, how are we going to market the next game? Is there any weird thing we can try and we're willing to spend weeks and weeks coming up with some just weird thing to do just to see what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. As long as we are also packing in a bunch of stuff so that we can try to measure what that means, right? And so we tend to take a lot more analytical mindset toward things. And the other thing I've noticed is we don't listen to most things uh, yeah. at face value, Correct. right? Because a lot of the talks at GDC... Uh, like my, my favorite thing is that one of the one of the talks at GC, one of the first talks was a talk by people who had spoken a couple of years back. And it was a series of like, was it four people? Four or five. Four yeah. or five people who all had given talks in the past. And it turns out that they were wrong about basically everything. Mm. And so this talk was, was all like, of them. It was like a recap. Corrective advice. Sort going of thing. back and yep. looking at what they had said a few years ago and being uh, like, well, it turns out all these things I said were completely wrong. And somebody else is on stage like, and I said all these other things and those were wrong too. Right. And so they should have titled the talk. We've misled thousands of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, uh, you know, anytime you go to Gama Sutra, you go to a talk, any, anytime you, you hear from an industry veteran, um, they're going to have specific ideas about how things work based on a very particular set of circumstances that they've been exposed to. Hmm. A very and limited set of circumstances. A very limited one, yeah. It's like you've launched one game, you know. Uh, well, what does that mean? It means you got a sample size of one, and maybe you launched it on Steam or maybe you launched it on Google Play or whatever. Well, also, and- industry veteran has tended to mean you're uh, you know, a pro developer who's bounced around from AAA to AAA studio, for example. Right. So you've also- you don't even that's a different kind of market than like an indie market. And so it doesn't really make sense to try to transfer that experience. Yeah. And so there's such a a ludicrous diversity of experiences in the game dev industry Mm -hmm. 
between publishing, between studio management styles, between even working styles, um, marketing approaches, all this stuff. And nobody has a full picture, right? So we, so we actually look at the experiences like GDC as sort of just gathering data, right? So it's, it's going to postmortems, listening to what people are saying, not actually trusting any of it necessarily, but just kind of uh, putting your finger on the pulse and seeing what are kind of the types of things that people are focusing on. Um, are there things that people seem to be missing? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, I don't know. It's, it's always, I, I like talking to these different people because of the fact that you get to catch all these Bunch perspectives. perspectives. Right, right. So yeah. it's, it's always a week of, uh, I think it's, it's generally a week of, you go in with an open mind, listen to everything everybody says, and then we usually come back and kind of in a, you know, almost like an around the We campfire. gather all the, all the nuts and berries of knowledge. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. come back and we grind them up into a, a paste. A paste. <laughs> smear it on our face. <laughs> To get ready for war, yeah, yeah. It's a war. It's war paint. So that was juicy. I, I, was, yeah, I was just using to make my skin pretty, but I guess I guess I got the yeah purpose face backwards. mask. Well, we yeah. all have different roles yeah. in the studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. So uh, also speaking of rolling the dice for <laughs> for talks. Wait a second. Did you? Say, oh, gotcha. Okay. We also well, Sam went to dice. Yes, which is the, a award thing. Dice. Uh, it's the sort of the big video game industry. Do you know what it stands awards. for this time? So far, we've Design, never Design, innovate. C captivate entertain <laughs> capture. I can't remember what the C is. Cremate. Create. No. Oh. Cremate. <laughs> Design in I can never remember what the C is. I don't know why. But it's just contort. A, it's a loony. Yeah, it's probably contort. No. Design, innovate, capture, bend create. into weird positions. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Dice is a is a conference that's held every year out in Vegas. And that was my first time out in Vegas. Not that I got to do anything because I was just in my Airbnb or in the conference. Well, and the only thing you get to do in Vegas is spend enormous sums of money. Apparently, it's like what you—that is what you do. I also yeah. want to say, uh, so Sam registered for the Airbnb through one of the the business uh, email accounts, right? Of course, like you mm-hmm. would. And we got a great review that came in. It forwarded to all of us at Butterscotch. <laughs> uh, we got a review of Sam's uh, <laughs> Sam being a guest. Whoever it was that was running that Airbnb, they, lo- they loved it. You did a great job, Sam. Thanks. I made my bed before I left. Top I think notch that was guest. The, that was the thing. <laughs> they said know? they said that it was as if nobody was even there. That was I wasn't there. That's the magical truth. <laughs> I was oh my, never there. Oh my goodness. We'll be getting a refund. That's my. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, I didn't go. Can I have my money back? Um, but so, the <laughs> dice is interesting because it's not so. It, there's an extremely high cost of entry, which we got to sort of uh, get around by virtue of the fact that Crashlands was nominated for a dice award and dice awards are kind of like i've been told it's like the oscars of gaming but who knows um because i was told that's what the igf is too so it might be the gaming of oscars yeah basically yeah, it's hard so, it's the oscar the grouch of Sesame they did have a red Sesame carpet Street. though very hilariously it was it was like i kid you not i think it was 15 feet long <laughs> they're like this is all we can <laughs> how long are they no- i guess all like, we it was it was how in- long are they normally I think you know, because I guess I have this image of it being like a some know, long, a, a vast expanse. I, and so, they might always just be short. It <laughs> might just might, be like, like from, you never know. You yeah, know? yeah, from like the limo. So you open your door to your limo. How you step was, onto uh, red carpet. How was the carpet material? Was it kind of like, was it plush? Was it? Was it everyone felt, everyone was like just felt. so amused by how short this carpet is. <laughs> that, so, so like they made a, the red carpet as long enough for it technically to, to be count. a red carpet. Right. It was a red carpet. Yeah. It'd be uh, hilarious if they, if they just took that all the way and it was just like a, like a mat. Like a welcome so, mat. Yeah, so you'd like step, you'd step just onto it, and they would snap a photo of you step yeah. off of it. The, honestly, <laughs> it felt kind of like that. It felt yeah. like they built it specifically so they could handle like five people in it at once. Yeah, and like in and one picture, it. so they could take one picture right. and it would extend across. Right. So, how did we land on red carpet? 
as a society know, as being the thing, so that, famous after reading the thing that, that famous people walk up. After reading that advertising book, oh, I bet it's, there's an advertiser in there somewhere that caused this to happen, mm-hmm. which is actually a good recommendation if you want to realize just how much you are a tool of the advertising companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the book is called The Attention Merchants. Yeah, it's, it's fucked up. Yeah, well, seeing things, there are some things in there that I'm, I see them and I'm like, I can kind of see how this is true. So, for example, apparently before the 1950s or so, Santa Claus had all kinds of different depictions. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. And then Coca-Cola was like, not anymore. <laughs> now Santa Claus is going to be red and white. For right? real? Yeah. And so so Coca-Cola tried to take ownership of the holiday, and they still do with their polar bears mm-hmm. and stuff. Yep. And they were just like, yeah, we're going to do a marketing blitz for a few years where we where we put pictures of Santa Claus all over the place wearing Coca-Cola colors, right? So, Oh, because that's true. That was Coca-Cola mm-hmm. colors. Yeah. Like, this is not that long ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, and now we have people getting outraged anytime there's any variation of what Santa is supposed to look like. Yeah. It was when, made by Coca-Cola. Yeah. And, or, or even like, or like, why do people drink? You're just a tool of Coca-Cola. Yeah, like, why do people drink orange juice for breakfast? Also a tool if you get angry by about that sort of thing. So, just in general. So apparently in, I think it was the 40s or something, oranges started becoming available in the United States. Most people are like, what the fuck are these weird? Yeah, what are we going to do with these? What the fuck are these weird squishy orange things? Well, they're oranges. So... <laughs> Nobody knew what to do with them, and so the the importers of the oranges were trying to find like different ways to sell the oranges, and they're kind of like a pain in the ass to eat. It's mm-hmm. so like, what if we just kind of like squish them and make them into juice? But then they had to explain to people what this why ju- they would drink what that. this juice is for because it's, it's so vibrant looking, looks dangerous. It's very yeah. bright. It's, you it's, imagine it's if very you've never had yeah. orange juice before, and someone's like, "Drink this," and be like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What is the? Yeah. It's like yeah. yellow. I mean, like if your life experience <laughs> is basically like milk and water, maybe the occasional soft drink. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's like, "Drink this weird vibrant orange stuff that kind of burns because it's a very acidic. Mm-hmm. Don't put it in your eyes; it'll seriously hurt." <laughs> uh, so, so they had to try to find ways to sell this to people. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we'll, we'll just tell people that it's health food for babies. And so people started just like giving orange juice to babies mm-hmm. for some reason. And, and somehow over time with advertising, it turned into just everybody's supposed to have a glass of orange juice every day. I well, remember growing well, up, but that was how we were taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have so orange juice. It's part you have of orange, your breakfast. Yeah. Bre- yeah. You have orange juice for breakfast. Why? Because they realized that there was no sort of like Need. cold drink that had dominated the breakfast scene. Mm-hmm. There was kind of, there was coffee and tea, but they're like, what about like some cold stuff, right? Put orange juice in there. Yeah. So they, they just decided that that's where orange juice was going to go. They mm-hmm. advertised their shit out of it. Now we're all just like, yeah, I mean, you drink orange juice for breakfast. That's yes, what it's so, for. So many of these sort of accepted facts of life were actually just crafted by someone a while ago. Yeah. Almost, almost all of our cultural things that we do. Well, yeah, I want, so I want to talk about this a little bit from the, uh, from the attention merchants book. Um, we talk about time a lot. We've talked about a lot on the podcast. We talk about, you know, being, up time, woke up time. We talk about being, being mindful and in control of your own time a lot. And I think, so over the past couple of weeks, I've starting to read this book and then doing a few of these other, uh, a few of these other books I'm reading. Um, I'm starting to think that time is probably the wrong thing to focus on. And I think attention is actually the thing to focus on because yeah. so I'm reading this book called the artist's way which is a phenomenal sort of uh, creative workbook. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And uh, what one of the things you talked about is that, and, and we've talked about this a lot with psychology and, and all this other stuff. And the reason we hate Twitter, actually, this, this all binds together, uh, it's, it's which so is stupid. that uh, you really, you know, there's the old saying, you are what you eat. You are what you tweet. You are what you, no, you are, <laughs> you, you really are what you attend to. Okay. So attend to being pay attention to. Whatever so, you point your brain at. Yeah. So I, so I want to pull up the study from, from a while ago. We've talked about, 
a few times through just the, the gratitude study. So if you, if you take a few minutes out of your day, every day, and you just write three to five things you're thankful about from the past day, past 24 mm-hmm. hours, uh, if you do this day over day for like 30 days in a stretch, uh, there's been plenty of psych studies that show that your, your, your overall level of happiness and contentment with life literally goes up and usually it sticks. It's like a stuck thing. So in other words, by attending to the things that you should be thankful for in your life, uh, your brain naturally starts doing this anyways and it sort of reshapes how you think, okay? So it you attend- starts as a conscious behavior and then becomes a, exactly. a subconscious And this behavior. is because you're attending to those things. So the reason we badmouth Twitter all the time is because as a thing to attend to, it's these really tiny, tiny thoughts. If you're crafting tweets for it, you have to, you can make the case that it's good for editing. Sure, like as far as you know. Yeah, thoughts down. No, nope. but um, <laughs> you know it's good for editing. Reading books, yeah, so yeah. you learn and how grammar works. Yeah. So the, you know, <laughs> attending to to messages that are only so long, constantly, um, and then usually in their in their nature, just vitriolic, almost across the board. Well, because anger is the easiest emotion to convey in a very short span. It is. Actually, so, mundanity is also true. that. I so, ate Cheerios. So in other words, you're, you're filling your you're filling your brain with just this nonsense. And if you think that it's going to have no effect on your ability to, to think or, or just how you think or how you think. Right. So, so anyways, I I think I've been, I've been coming to a a greater point in the reading the attention merchants thing, essentially telling the story of how our attention as a culture comes to be a commodity that is sold. And if you, if you look at, you know, how Facebook sells, how Facebook works, how the internet itself drives traffic and all this stuff, uh, they sell your attention via ads and that sort of thing. And so I've just, I've been shifting. It's it's the idea of gather a crowd, make them look at something and then bring in in an advertiser and like pay, have them pay Mm -hmm. to have that crowd look at their thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I've been, I've been shifting away from the focus on just straight up time and over to, I think, attention because certainly time is a valuable resource. Certainly like you only have so much of it, but um, I think, I think the thing that makes you able to make really good use of your time is your capacity to attend to the correct thing or the things that you want to attend to. Anyways, just agree. Food for thought. Agree. Yeah. I'm so happy to be done with GDC because I uninstalled Twitter at, oh, four, yeah. at 4 PM on Friday. <laughs> as soon as we were done, we're all like, boop, just remove that. Yeah. Shit. I also have a confession What's that? to make, What'd you do? which is, <laughs> Anytime somebody handed me a business card, if their only point of contact was Twitter, I just threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like if, if this person's spending so much time on there that this is the way that they talk to people, I I don't You're I just can't over it. I just no can't over it before it's begun. Yep. Yeah, I feel it. So anyway, uh, that's all for. Oh yeah. So dice was no, good. Dice. Yeah. Dice is good. It was interesting. <laughs> so the the reason it's good. Uh, beyond something like GDC is because it's only for studio heads. So they had like a, they had a little side note in the sign up where it was like, have your, where does your assistance email? I was like, I don't have one. <laughs> Put my email in here twice, I guess. Um, so it's all, it's all C-suite people. And they usually are from bigger companies. And I was talking to Rami uh, from Vlambeer about this. He said that up until about four years ago, it was almost exclusively like the AAA studios. It's only been the past couple of years that they figured out, they figured out some ways to get more indies uh, into the, the mm-hmm. conference before the, the award show. Um, so it was really hilarious talking to people because I'd go to them and they'd be like, Oh, you know, tell me about what you got going on. It's like, Oh yeah. So we, you know, both got against an independent studio out of the Midwest. And uh, we doubled in the past year and they're like, wow. And like, yeah, from three to seven. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, they're like, what? Oh. And then these are all these people have like 150 to 400 to 2000 person companies. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did get to meet the CEO of Blizzard, which was cool. And Jeff Kaplan, who's like the nicest dude I have ever met. He's a guy who made uh, Overwatch and uh, um, 
some World of Warcraft. I've heard good things about him. He is so laid back. It is comical. Like of all the people that I expected would have some ego, you know? Because I'm like, holy shit, this guy is great. Right. <laughs> like a lot of the Touchstone games, just, just no. the most chill dude I've ever met in my life. So nice. And uh, apparently his, I think his brother-in-law or his brother, one of the two, had been telling him to play Crashlands as of like last week, which was yeah. hilarious. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, my brother's been telling me to play. So it was like the best thing ever. And I was like, yes. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, so there's a couple of fun things like that. Uh, and then just got a couple contacts so that I think, you know, as we grow and as we confront some of these organizational challenges that come from growing a studio, I can call on some people and say, hey, Jeff. You know, I didn't get his business card because he's no. too cool for me. But yeah. <laughs> so it's, one of those, it's one of those like, oh, here's my business card. And then They're they like, respond cool. with like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have mine on. Right, right. So, yeah. so that was really fun. And then uh, a guy from Marvel gave a really good talk about uh, about you know why why it is that you make stories and why it is they make games. Just a phenomenal talk. The end all point of which was you know that's it's how and, and this was the talk also from Jeff Kaplan about Overwatch. So Overwatch builds a future. The goal of there was to build a future that people wanted to actually have exist in a lot of ways, but also where people but also were where murdering, murdering each other. <laughs> yeah. so yeah, sort of a- there's some dissonance there. Sure. Um, <laughs> so, there's always that. Um, but so the but the the major reason, but where murder has no consequence. Yeah. yeah. So, so the the end all point they made is that so diva is uh, DVA the the mech suit warrior uh, gamer Korean woman from uh, Overwatch is he he talks about her in particular because they found someone sent them a link to a feminist rally that was happening in South Korea and they were flying a diva flag and then there was oh. this whole organization that's called like the divas that essentially exists. And it literally says, you know, this character doesn't currently exist, like could not currently exist in South Korea as it is. And we're going to build for a future where she could. So they're advocating for building mech suits? <laughs> no, no. So that's that's the and murdering people. Not the mech suits. The idea being that, that uh, or the idea put forth by the Marvel guy and Jeff Kaplan was, was simply that uh, you want to build a world that leaks in a positive way into our current world yes. and makes people either, you know, make them happy or make them feel like they belong more, that sort of thing. Or so like, make them build, or give them a, a, an ideal to strive for. Yeah. So like Grand Theft Auto would be a good basically, yeah. I'm talking about Grand Theft Auto, yeah. Skyrim, let's go blow up dragons. You know? yep. Yeah. I want to hijack a dragon. Yeah. And <laughs> so you're talking about sort of Grand Theft Auto, Skyrim sort of hybrid, yeah. a fusion. Yeah. yeah. Where you come up to the dragon, you take the dragon out of the dragon, you get inside the dragon. <laughs> And now you're the dragon. <laughs> and then you kick the dragon <laughs> that you took out of the dragon. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so it was, a, it was a good... But no, it's, it's an interesting thing, thing to think about. Yeah. Is the idea of... Leaky worlds. Yeah, it's, it's the idea of through... through. I mean, video games have a, have the capacity to hold people's attention mm-hmm. in incredible yep. ways. And I think there is, on some level, a sort of responsibility to recognize that whatever people pay attention to changes them mm-hmm. in different ways. And... Uh, if you expose people to things that are, uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto-y, then right. you're going to, you're going to slant some things potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not, it's not that whole thing about like, oh, like people play violent video games and then they go out and kill everybody. Kill everybody. Uh, Cause there's no evidence that that's the case. But at the same time, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily going to push you toward like a positive slant on the world, mm-hmm. you right. know? So yeah, I don't know. Interesting. That's interesting. Maybe we'll do that someday. Maybe. Might be make a good I mean, Crashlands, I was just trying to get everybody to go outside and kill all the animals. Go outside and kill all the animals. <laughs> Chop every tree. But in a bloodless way. There's yeah. no, yeah, it's fine. No blood. Yeah. With like blow dust. Yeah, I think I, you could do it if you froze animals first and then shattered them. That'd be a lot like the Crashlands. Yeah. Style. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's really gross. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like in Terminator. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> all right. So first question of the day. These questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. This question is about the Dice Awards. That's oh, from cool. Alan Falcon. How do you guys feel about losing out on the Dice Mobile Game of the Year? Oh, it's bullshit, Alan. To Pokemon Go. Just kidding. Yeah. It uh, was exactly as expected. So, yeah. Well, we all, were looking at I, I was like, here's the thing. Aside from the fact that uh, still nobody knows what Crashlands is <laughs> and <laughs> oh, so many. That sounds so quaint. Many, so many people played Pokemon <laughs> Go that like people died playing it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that did happen. Yeah. Right. So it also made people get out of their houses. You know, mm-hmm. it actually changed the fabric of society for about two weeks. Yep. So that's which is more than almost anything can do. More than, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people, yeah. people were going on and on about how like, this just changes everything. It's mm-hmm. like augmented reality. Like now video games are and the real world are indistinguishable from one another. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, everybody's like, I'm tired. And then they just went back to bed. Yeah. Yeah. But for that short moment, it's very interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I, I was cracking the joke a lot in the couple days before the awards. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, we're up for Mobile Game of the Year. We're against Pokemon Go. So, so we got weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I was like, we already know it's going to happen, which is that we're going to win. Yeah, well, actually, Pokemon <laughs> Go was was nominated for Mobile Game of the Year and Game of the Year, just period. Oh, right. It? And yeah. so I was like, so I was looking at that. I was like, okay, obviously, they've right, got a favorite. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and they're not going to give it Game of the Year because it is a bad game. Correct. Oh yeah, it just there's a lot of people really deb- cool things yeah. to happen. A lot of people debate about whether it could even be called a video game yeah. in the sense that it doesn't have most of the systems that people associate with right. games. Well, my favorite thing is a cool map. My favorite thing about the award show is actually I was sitting I'm like I'm at a table right up next to the stage. I'm chatting with I was with the devs from uh, Inside uh, as well as a guy from Shell Games who made uh, uh, I Expect You to Die, which is that VR spy game. And so we we're just chatting, and then you know they have like all the flashy lights. You feel the bass from the it's just like a really loud thing and you know crashlands pops up on the screen and then put go all this stuff and i was like cool and then afterward you know i expected to lose so it wasn't surprising at all but then afterwards someone asked me they were like did you not feel like so excited when you saw crashlands show up up there and i was like i felt nothing <laughs> i don't know well, like, well why? We, we've talked i think we've, we've talked about this in the past in the sense that be making a thing with a group like that where like nothing, no individual thing in Crashlands can any one of us take ownership over. Mm-hmm. And then having it be, you know, a very slope, like it took a two years to build it. And at no point were we building Crashlands. At each point, like we were just like, you know, adding a little, adding building a piece. Swamp it. A little piece right. is here and there. And then when it's all done, now it's, it's out. It came out last January. It's been out for a year and a few months. You know, at a certain point, you just get a lot of distance from the thing. Is it fair to say we're over it? Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Right. It's time. It's time to move on. Cool. Next question. All right. Next question comes from <laughs> Sin Linux. <coughs> you right there, Sam? <laughs> Sin Linux says, <laughs> will you guys at Scotch do any sort of Rocket League championship for who's best in the studio's roster? Weird to know who's best. I enjoy making that a thing when there's time to do it. I place my money on Adam. That was oh. a bad bet, buddy. Yep. You're going to lose. <laughs> That's uh, uh, that might not be your worst bet in the office, yeah, but it is definitely the worst bet in the trio of yeah, brothers. Yeah. So, are we gonna do this thing or what? Because I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> this is just like going up against Pokemon. So, anyway, so we'll, we'll, we'll just do it and then just tell everybody what happened. Is that what actually? Uh, when we were doing our, our Rocket League tests mm-hmm. for our applicants. Uh, for some of our hiring stuff, we ended up, didn't we end up doing a 2v, 2v4? Yeah. Yeah. 
Seth and one other person against four people. Oh yeah. Didn't go well. It's a piece of cake for the four people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so we, we don't need to do this, I guess is the point. Uh, so you, you know, like when you have one lopsided, when you have one friend who plays a game with you and they're just too good and they make it not fun. No that's, fun. That's what's like when I try yeah. to play tennis with my wife, she's been playing tennis literally her whole yeah. life. She'll yeah. just crush or when I try to play Smash Brothers with my wife or Set, I don't know if you know that game. No, but it's I know where, Smash it's, Bros. It's identified. I've tried playing Smash cards. Bros. against her, and it's it's just slaughter. Yeah, it's very Bad. horrifying. Real Yeah. All right. Next question comes from L T E L T E A L T. The T. The T. The T. Regarding episode eighty-seven, which was the last episode, I have found as I age forty-two. I get less enjoyment from games. I think mm. once I understand the mechanics, the underlying grind or reflex-based skill training slog becomes obvious. One counter to this uh, is a good... Uh, one counter to this is a good story. Well, I don't know. Things flew off the rails there at the end. A good story, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If I made oh, oh, one counter to this <laughs> is good story in the game. Okay. I think you got I'll, very confused. I'll fill that in. <laughs> that seems pretty understandable. <laughs> What are our thoughts on this? So does a good story. So for starters, is that, is that something where like, if you've played enough games and you've gotten good at enough games, Mm -hmm. uh, and then when you start to play it, you realize you're going to have to put in a lot of time to be good at it. And then you're just like, fuck it. (laughs) It's about doing the mental calculus. You know, you're like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 42. I have a job. I've got a fam. This is the same game as a bunch of other ones I played. You know, I saw this. I'm like, this mechanic is super, maybe Dark Souls. You know, everyone's all about Dark Souls. And you're like, you know what? I see how this works. I understand. This is going to take me 300 hours before I can beat this stupid thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I got a deck to build because I'm a adult. Well, I think it comes to to novelty kind of, right? Where like, yeah, the first time you do that in your life, like, holy shit, that was awesome. Right. And then you go, it's like you maybe play Dragon Age Origins, right? Mm -hmm. Then you move on to Dragon Age 2 and you're like, hmm. Because that took like 50, 60 hours to get through the original Dragon Age. Now I'm starting over, but it's basically the same game Mm -hmm. uh, with some tweaks. But I think that's where the story piece comes in. So I think because humans love stories. And no matter how old you get, it actually doesn't matter how old you get. You're always like, tell me, spin me a yarn, you know? Yeah. Um, No one's like, (laughs) can you imagine if old people, if you started talking about something that happened to you and they're like, I've heard it before. Yeah, I'd already know this story. (laughs) I know how this is gonna. They end. probably have. Though. I'm sure they. I'm sure they probably have. But I think everyone. Well, yeah. The more life experience you get, the more you see the patterns and yeah. everything. It actually it can become more interesting over time. I think. Um. So yeah, I think stories are are the thing that actually start kind of segment. I think maybe that's why we're going the way we're going with Except, the building. Don't people? I don't. So here's the thing. I don't know shit about shit. Okay. So hit me. Don't people <laughs> believe that there's only so many sort of story archetypes? Like there's like seven main story types that people tend to tell or something like what? Yeah. But I mean, if you generalize a thing enough, then everything just is the same thing. Yeah. So I'm not really sure it's a useful way to break up the universe. It's kind of like, so like a well, romantic, it's, like, it's a, like, like saying like, everything's made of atoms. So it's all the same. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, so, you know, think about a say point. a romantic comedy, you know, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like the, within the first it's a rom-com, please. The, like the fact <laughs> that it is that thing, you know what the story is just right out of the gate. Right. Not necessarily. I mean, I've seen a lot of them in my time. <laughs> I can tell you, there's, they're very different. Like The Notebook, totally different story than something like, uh, you know, She's All That, You Before Me, She's All That, I Before We, I Before We, He Before Her, Me Before You. 
Heebie-jeebie. Heebie-jeebies. Jeepers Creepers. It's not romantic. Wait, what was Jeepers Creepers. There was probably romance involved because there always are. There's, There's that romance movies. scene when the demon pulls the guy's head through the car roof. And <laughs> with love. With, with so much love. It's a good, it gets me every time. Yeah, but I think I do, I do think there's something to be said for you know as maybe as you as you as you need more. Let me restart. With mechanical stuff in games, there's mm-hmm. always going to be some similarities if you're playing it on the same device. So I think this is why Pokemon Go was such a phenomenon because you it was have, a different experience yeah. all across the board. Very also, you didn't have to be good at anything to do Correct. it. So I think as you get older and you've played more games, it naturally becomes the case that you need to start relying on these other things about the games mm-hmm. beyond just the mechanical nature of them. Um, it kind of like, I mean, so I read a lot of books and I now within like the first chapter basically decide if I'm going to read it or not because I read read enough now to know based on someone's writing style, if it's a new enough writing style that I can enjoy it or sort of falls into a similar pattern of previous ones or if it's just going to be garbage. For example, I picked a book, super excited to read from the library that was like about you know business and sort of situating yourself for the future. And the first paragraph, the, per- the author was describing a previous project that they worked on and, in, and was just sort of like name dropping the whole time. Mm-hmm. The whole first paragraph, it was like reading in uh, in like a George R. R. Martin stuff when you have this lineage. <laughs> I yeah, swear to yeah, God. Yeah. I swear to God. It was like a lineage thing. And I just, I read that first the paragraph and I was like, I don't care. And then I was like, <laughs> returned the book, you know? So I think you so get- yeah, your ideas should stand on their own. You shouldn't have to yeah. tether them to- And hopefully a game can signal to you either that the story is going to be its own interesting thing and then deliver that or that- signal those whatever those sort of additional interesting mechanics are or experiences are. So what about what about things like Star Wars The Force Awakens, Mm -hmm. where you just take the same story but make take you you leave the story the same. You mean every Star Wars movie, actually. Right. Well except for the those three the three middle ones. Except for half of them. (laughs) (laughs) There are eight of them. Every single one of them. There's a lot of half of them. Yeah. But I'm talking about the real ones that everybody, you know, actually thinks of as the Star Wars movies. Yeah. What is it? It's like of the of the five that exist, is it three or four of them that are? So about I guess I guess Star Wars. Star. Star Wars is kind of like what Diablo did, right? Yeah. Where they're like they just keep telling the same, same story shit. over again, and yeah. they just update the mechanics a little bit. Yeah, and the graphics. I think it's the thing. It's like everyone's excited to go see a Star Wars movie. Yeah, I was excited. Well, you got, you I, I got knew space the It's gonna be a good time. Yeah, they were like. It's the Death Star again. And I'm like, wow. This time, sh- this again. time it yeah. shoots every planet. <laughs> yeah, <basically. laughs> yeah, the first time it shoots one planet, next time it shoots most planets. Yeah. And it also eats a sun. Yeah. That was pretty cool. What's but the I think next I was Death Star going to do? <laughs> Who knows? going to just shoot other Death Stars. I was surprised. <laughs> I was still, I think that's the interesting thing about stories because uh, so people love spoilers, right? And I think the reason is I don't love spoilers. I Maybe mean, you don't, but well, people love spoilers. There's a, there's been plenty of <laughs> you research. You guys are always insisting this, and it's there's been research that shows that people like it doesn't it doesn't remove from the impact for most people of experiencing the story. Itself. Most, huh? People claim they hate spoilers, but they love them they secretly. Love it. Because so the thing is, it's you not got, you guys are stretching this most into 100 percent of people. 100 percent of people. Oh, literally everybody loves spoilers. <laughs> everybody except half. Uh, <laughs> as long as you know like the beginning and the end beats of a story, it's oftentimes it's still very interesting. Like for Diablo, for example, you know, you're going to get to kill Diablo, but it's still a question of <laughs> how am I going to get there? Yeah. Right. I'm going to go through the You know, maybe you're going to become Diablo and you sort of do. Well, you do every time actually. Right. Yeah. Or no. No, or no, no, I guess the first Diablo one. Only in the one. first one. Or at least somebody gets a jewel. And then it's like head. Deckard Cain's daughter for some reason is Diablo. Yeah. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> Thanks, Cat's out of the bag. <laughs> Diablo's out of the bag. <laughs> Whoopsie. I think she's his niece or something. Niece. 
Nisio. Nisio. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from Lethalor. Says elf. Who says binge listening to this awesome podcast? Speaking of the stamp of (laughs) approval you get from rewards, or I mean awards. He put rewards. I think he means awards. Gotcha. How do the buttery gods view? (laughs) Which I think is us. It's a little weird. Don't do that, guys. <laughs> uh, view those that completed the development their development degrees. So if you got a game development degree, mm-hmm. is that a stamp of approval? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just no. kind of I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> size up the question in a way, okay. which okay. does also provide an answer. Okay. Uh, while we were at GDC this time, I decided to make a habit out of every time I talked to somebody new who was in game dev in some way, uh, doing something interesting ask them what their path was to get there. Mm-hmm. And there was not a single person of the, of the probably two dozen that I asked this question to that uh, came into game, game development through a program for that purpose in some fashion. Mm. Um, there were definitely people mainly, who did like, you know, computer science related stuff and ended up being programmers. These mainly indies you were talking to though. Uh, indies, but, but, but pretty studios. successful ones. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, so smaller studios. So not, not triple A stuff. Yeah. And I think, yeah, because I think that's a lot of what the, what the difference is actually, Mm -hmm. is that when you're being taught this stuff as a trade, um, then sort of necessarily the, you know, the focus is on some sort of, in order to actually have you leave school and like be able to show that you can do something, you have to laser focus on one thing because schools are so easy and they teach Mm -hmm. you so little. Right. So then you get out of there and you have this like narrow beam of focus where like, yeah, I'm a 3d modeler. Right. And I can kind of model some stuff. And then now a big AAA studio can train you to hone that skill to yeah, like model, model some barrels. Exactly. Like model barrels. Just, just, all, just 400 all barrels. barrels. Yeah. You're the barrel person now. Yep. Um, so I think, I don't know. I, well, here's I don't the, know. The, the big question for me. So, so Sam and I are teaching a game development course mm-hmm. and we were asked to teach this course. And as we were coming up with the curriculum, we were just like, this is kind of crazy. Yeah. Like it's kind of dumb to think about game development as a thing that you Cause learn. it's a multidisciplinary yeah, thing because teams work on. Yeah. To, to make a game, you need music, art, animation. Yeah. Narrative. I mean, I feel kind of bad for these kids. Cause it's like every week we're switching. Every tracks. week we're like, okay, time for you to be yeah. a master in an entirely new field. <laughs> but there are things like film schools and stuff that have a similar problem. Uh-huh. Right. But in those schools, people focus on, on a very specific thing. Yeah. Well, I think in, in most importantly though, the thing that film schools are known for is actually, simply the networking to get you into a studio. Right. It's yeah. less about your capability coming out, more about who you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's weird because making game, it's, it's the very rare person who can make an entire game by themselves. Mm-hmm. Like a really, really polished, highly one. commercial, yeah. good game. Right. Uh, most and people those that can usually take a fucking long time to do it. Yeah. And most people project. can make a functional prototype of a game um, in some sense or another. Right. Uh, even even people with very little programming background can pick up Game Maker or something like that and, and slap something together over some period of time. So it's a, it's an interesting problem because I think the the way that I would approach it is actually like Adam said, pick a thing that you that you really want to be good at mm-hmm. that is definitely a part of game development, which is basically everything: three um, D modeling, art, programming, storytelling, you know, whatever it is. Get really really good at that thing and demonstrably so. Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's the big problem. Is, well, this is they have a portfolio. Basically. Well, I think this is actually the this is actually the problem I see with something like game dev as a general uh, or game design or design. Yeah. Um, is that so? Getting really really good at game design actually just requires that you've worked that you've worked front right, end to end on a bunch of different projects. A lot of projects. Like we, I honestly, I don't think we've gotten. I think it wasn't until probably like a year ago. I wouldn't honestly say that we were really 
have become much much better at game design than we were. And even still, like we don't know. Oh, we got holes. There's holes all over the place. Doing, yeah. Um, and we'll only know exactly where they were once this next project is done. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately. So the the one thing I would caution against is you know all of us had a had our own sort of thing when we went to school. It was not game dev related particularly. But I think the the one bad thing about choosing like game design or game dev as a as a as a curricula is that it is so broad, so thoroughly broad that there's the there's the really good risk I think of actually coming out with no serious depth skill. Mm-hmm. And so in my case, like having I didn't have any skills coming out of school. It was just a fact. Um, none that I got from school, anyways. But I had done because of the psych focus. I had a depth of knowledge in a particular field that was way more than most people have coming out. Yeah, and. Certainly if I kept on, like if, if that was just a piece of the pie and like if, if I was teaching game dev as a, as a curricula, I would include some psych pieces, right? But it's not like a deep, we wouldn't have time to do a deep dive on it per se. So instead little bits of psychology kind of get sprinkled. Right. So I'm wondering almost if it's better to, from an educational standpoint, approach your entry into game dev from a deep diving into a single topic. So saying, I'm going to go like program the shit out of stuff, or I'm going to go learn how to make art. Mm-hmm generally 2D art, whatever else, um, or UI, UX, pick a thing and then let that speak to whatever the games are that you make later on. Because yep. games are a general skill and unfortunately you can't make, it's really hard to, to learn as an expert like 20 skills simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. So actually so you, there was one person I talked to who did actually go to school all the way, like start to finish for hmm. game development. Mm-hmm. Or game design, um, they but their the the focus on that on that school was actually for like producing an indie developer that could run a studio, right? Oh, interesting, like a small studio. So it was a, it was a really tight business focus, like economics and marketing, um, and then and their, the whole purpose of that was to give a cursory overview of like the whole fucking deal, right? Of like what it would be like to go the project out in the world, project management, all that kind of stuff, right? So sort of like how kind of a, like an MBA works almost yeah, right. like that kind yeah, of with thing, a game right? focus so with a game focus. Um, hmm. And so I think that, so if, and that can work and, and the, this particular person I talked to also just spent an enormous amount of time also making games and programming games. Right. right. So that they were also good at that, but that wasn't really part of the well, curriculum. Say, yeah. Cause interestingly, nothing about their class structure would actually allow them to make games. Right. 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 They'd, have, they'd have to go out on their own and learn right. those skills. Yeah. So, but I think the the one golden rule to always think about is if you want to get into game development, then you don't get to not like things, right? Yeah. But I mean, think just as a person, as a person, yeah. But if I mean, it's hard to succeed at most things in life if you just decide that there are certain domains of knowledge that you just have decided to hate and you don't want to learn, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So you you don't get to say, yeah, I hate art. I don't care about it. I don't like it. Or I don't like music. And I'm just not going to do it in my games or whatever. Um, Because games require a full, like you have to embrace all these different fields of knowledge and learn as much as possible about them. Mm -hmm. Then, then you have to really go hard on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think, I mean, otherwise the the problem with structured learning in general um, is that it allows you to be lazy because you get to feel like somebody is telling you how all the things work. And if you learn those things and you're you're checking boxes and then you're fine. And if a, if a program is rigorous enough and intense enough so that every waking moment of your life is checking off those boxes, that can work. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's almost never the case. There are very few programs like that unless you're doing like a condensed boot camp or something. Um, so the problem is that, you know, these, these courses have like a, you know, a semester long course is like an 18 hour thing or whatever. Right. Meaning that's right. how many hours over a whole fuck, like three fucking months. Right. That's right. so, that's so little time where you're being instructed in a thing and then you have homework that maybe adds up to another twice that on top of that again. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but in that case, like you're talking a week of yeah, time, right. right? Spread oh, out over you know, three great, months. You know, right, it'd be a you know? great class. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're in a programming class, right? Let's say you're at a intro to programming. It's Python course. 
right? Or something. And on day one, the professor just puts up a question on the board or like a problem. They say, yeah, here's what, here's what we're trying to solve. This is the problem that we need to solve. That's it. Go figure it out. You have the entire semester to teach yourself how Python works. And I'll just and be there. here as a mentor. Yeah. Yep. And the problem is that uh, because, people well, well, because people, again, people are taught to be given to the, be the checklist. Through yeah, right. given the checklist. And so but all the information is out there. You know, yeah. it's you just Google well, it. So, so to get back to the question, though, as far as like, what, what does it mean to have one of these degrees? It I doesn't say anything. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't mean anything. It, it could. Uh, if you also did the work to develop a portfolio. And a, but then but then it's just But redundant. then it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if you if you can't, I mean, so all we can say is for our own studio, right? Mm-hmm. And for us, if uh, the idea is if you can't demonstrate to us uh, your competency, mm-hmm. um, then we're not interested. And a degree is not a demonstration of competency. Yes. Um, it's uh, in a lot of places, it's a bare minimum requirement to demonstrate that you might have competency. Here it's not. We just want to look for competency, right? But uh, but that's it. Yeah, yeah that's true. I would say most game studios because of the mm-hmm. fact that if you talk to people, most people don't get into games through game programs. It's through sheer demonstration of yeah. will and grit yep. and mm-hmm. and capability. So, yep. Cool. So that's- yeah, no. Next question. Kulabula. Nice. Yeah. Kulabula says, <laughs> I thought about your article on free-to-play breaking immersion with ads and how you don't want to make a game like that, even though we did, but... Was this a while? This must have been a while ago. Uh, Might have been. I realized radio and TV are like that. Yeah. Imagine Ooh. Breaking Bad, Hannibal, Westworld. That's three separate shows. That's not one uh, show. Uh, <laughs> were never made for the same reasons. Thoughts? Well, let's walk that back, though, because HBO does not have ads. Yeah. HBO does not have ads. But Breaking Bad was AMC. I don't know about the other ones. Okay. But Breaking Bad did have advertisements. Did it? Okay. Mixed. I watched it on Netflix, so I don't know. So you never know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it's, uh, so imagine these shows were never made because their creators thought, I don't want to have ads in, in my show. Then other things would have been made instead. Well, so yeah. this is also, <laughs> also, no, this is a, this is not, this isn't parody with what we did. And what we've been doing with the games, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that the storytelling, and then so you can you can use ads in a television show to actually increase suspense for when the show gets back. You well, get, that's what they, that's what they have to do because they know there's going to be that right. possible. You can't have somebody just be mid sense and it's like, let's buy some bleach. Right. It, it is <laughs> weird to watch those same shows on Netflix where they clearly designed. Oh yeah. Around and they, re, they do like a 15 second recap yeah, yeah. every. Like, yeah. Every or all of a sudden the, like, music, wow. the music gets really tense and it like zooms in on their face and then it cuts out and, and then, then when, the same when scene it cuts again. back in, it zooms in on their face <laughs> from a different <laughs> angle slightly to yeah. remind, um, remind you where you were. Yeah. I'm not super sure what the question is asking. Uh, so I, I think, I think digging deeper into the question is, is it possible that there are things that would have been made or would not have been made that were or were not made based on okay, the presence let's just, of the ads? Or we can simplify that and just say, are ads actually a good thing because they allow certain things well, to no, be I think, made? Yeah. I mean, just break it out. So there's the reality of financing something like a television show or a video game. Yep. And then there's the reality of building the best play experience or v- viewing experience. I don't think any television show person who's making the television show is going to be like, yeah, I want you to sell bleach in the middle of this episode that's super hard. Oh, no, film. they absolutely don't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. So there's a difference here, though, as far as like funding versus the actual consumption of the thing at the end of the day from a creator standpoint. Um, but there's the realities of, of there's just the simple reality of the market, which is that in the case of TV or something, you cannot 
oftentimes until recently with Netflix and, and HBO, uh, you literally can't, can't escape. You can't just, you can't sell it as a movie, I guess at that point. Right. Um, you can sell a movie straight up, but those usually cost a shitload more money to make than uh, than TV. Well, shows. and, and I think I think ads. importantly, don't have ads, yeah. I think importantly, ads in a TV show or a radio show mm-hmm. are a little bit different in the sense that you aren't doing anything; you're mm-hmm. passive, right? So, in a TV or radio interaction between, like the interaction between you and the oh, gadget, is you're just sitting there drooling, right? Sure. That's that's your level of participation. Uh, when it comes to <laughs> I just envisioning you in your car just like drooling away. <laughs> your eyes are glazed over. You know, there's, there's things you things are just being crammed so saying, into your okay, head. So you're saying that right. because there's interaction in a the game, then the insertion of an ad, which actually it's breaks, more disruptive, right? It's more disruptive than I, I could say. I, I mean, no, I mean, okay, but what about like an action show? You know, you're still not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, you're but, just, <laughs> but you're still like if you're on the edge of your still, seat yeah, anticipating what's going to happen. It's, it's still very disruptive. Yeah, and yeah. versus like a boring as fuck video game where you're like, thank God I just saw an ad. You know? <laughs> thank God yeah. I think, I think that's a, spiced up yeah, by gameplay that's, that's a false dichotomy. But but I think more importantly, there's there's a reason that things are the way they are, right? Correct. Um, and that is that the devices that first broadcast information out were things where you could not detect who was listening to them because it just goes over the, over the air. Right? Yeah. We talked about this a little bit last time. Um, but that means that the only way to have people pay for the stuff they're consuming is by either selling them the devices they consume on, which actually used to be how it was done, mm-hmm. uh, or by having the people who are providing the content somehow sell something, right? So that they have a way to pay for the thing because they can't ask the consumer directly mm-hmm. to do it. And so that that model caught on a long time ago, which is a book that we mentioned also talks about, uh, and then became the dominant model really fast because it was way more convenient and easier than the rest of the stuff. To give, Today, people, to give people things for free, round right, them up, right. and then put stuff in front of them. Right. But then with the advent of, you know, cable and stuff where you can actually send a signal in both directions, you can actually find out who's watching what, which means you can charge people specifically, which is actually how HBO has worked for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's just an, an example, right? Where they don't do ads, you just pay for the service and they make amazing shows, right? Uh, same deal with Netflix. You make mm-hmm. amazing shows, no commercials, you just pay for the service because we can actually detect that. The problem is that as a, as a culture, uh, both on the selling shit side and consuming shit side. Um, the dominant way of, of us paying for things is by us being sold on behalf of of other things. Right. Uh, and that's been the dominant way for a long time. So all of our infrastructure is built for that. The internet is built for that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's expected that you just go to a website and you can see everything there. That's just what happens. Or you go somewhere else. Right. And the only way to make that work is by somebody throwing an ad in your face. Otherwise it'd put a paywall in front of you or something. Mm -hmm. Right. Or there had to be a toll that you pay for every bite that you use. And then whoever, whatever website sends that bite, that's who it goes to, right? Mm-hmm. There would need to be an entirely different system for that to work. And so until we actually have that, then it's just going to be, this is just how it has to be, right? But there's no, it's an infrastructure problem. It's not a, it's not a problem that if we just used a different way, like us directly paying for things, we would just have like worse stuff. Mm-hmm. We'd have different stuff because the whims of, of time and stuff, right? right. But, but yeah, that's a structural problem. True. Yeah. And I don't think you could say, so for example, Breaking Bad, fantastic show. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can say something like, you know, the creators made it, made the show worse <clears throat> by, you know, making room for the ads or whatever. It's hard to say because, of course, we don't have a Breaking Bad without ads and a Breaking yeah, Bad with ads. it would ads. just be a different constraint. It's a different constraint, yeah. But the fact is it's a great show, and if you watch it without ads, it's still a great show. Watch it with ads, it's probably not worse, as enjoyable. <laughs> um, Everything is worse but, than ads. Yeah. Uh, so 
I don't know. Uh, let's hit one more question. This comes from Darth Ewok. 99. Nice. Uh, Can Ewoks be Jedis? I don't see why not. As long as they got those midichlorians. Is that all it takes? Can you just inject someone with those? I mean, come on. I always wondered this. When Anakin got all of his limbs chopped off, did he he become a lot of Yeah, because like they they established in the lore, you know, midichlorians is in your blood, right? And they were like, oh, like he's midichlorians, like they're crazy. They're everywhere. They're off the charts and stuff. So I believe that. I believe that's the quote from the. Yeah, <laughs> but can't you just inject people with midichlorians then? And just make you a stem maybe cell there's tank? maybe there's some kind of an immune response. Maybe they're genetically encoded. But then they have they, a bunch of clones they could put them into. Yeah. Yeah. They're good at they clones. Yeah, because if, if it's part of your if it's in your blood, then then you could clone biological substrate. You and you can, can clone, clone people, people Yeah, why did they clone a whole Jedi army? Yeah, why did they clone just a random bounty hunter when they could have cloned Anakin? They because they magicians, they could have cloned to fill us well, in here. And because they also like said they were like, "Oh my gosh, oh oh, gee whiz, his Jedi ness is so good, so powerful, so mega good, powerful mm-hmm. that he's going to change. He's going to tip the balance of the Force scales, right? Uh-huh. You're like, there's a prophecy about this. Problem is, he's like six, and that's way too old to start training, mm-hmm. right? So couldn't they have just been like, well, I guess we won't use him, but we'll just clone him. We'll make a new make one. Make a baby one. Yeah, make a baby one. Start over. Start over, train that one up. Make them fight each other. Scratch. And I think a bigger yeah. question maybe is- that's, Maybe that's, oh yeah, maybe that's actually what like Darth Maul was, was that clone. And he just also turned out to be evil. So then, mm, so you know, maybe spikes. actually, maybe all oh God, Jedi Darth, are clones. Is Darth Maul actually Anakin? He might be. Maybe all Jedi are actually just clones <laughs> of each other. <laughs> no, because Darth Maul is a Zabrak, which is the type of- Alien zebra, Z- I think it's called a zebra. Zebrak. Maybe it really, but it could just be a clone. <laughs> they didn't there. really go far away from the whole like it's got some stripes on it and horns. <laughs> There's horns. It's got horns. Yeah, uh, we're gonna get skewered by some Star Wars fans. Yeah, but seriously, yeah. I think I think as once if with they, a lightsaber. I think once they can you be skewered with a lightsaber if it doesn't like exist? Oh, you can be skewered with anything. I, don't know, I feel like you'd be like stuck on it. Yeah, yeah, you can't get stuck true. on a light. I feel like you can only not be skewered by something that's bigger than you, like a bus. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't be skewered by a bus or an elk. Well, I guess. Wait, but, that be, but then you should be able to be skewered by like a cannonball or something, which doesn't seem like the yeah. right thing, you know? You know you'd well, be, no, it I has think, to be long enough to be out both ends of you at the same time. Okay, so well, while I it's like stationary. But I feel like okay, you, have to yeah. be, you have to be able to be stuck on it. No, that's different. No, I think it's what skewering is. Because yeah, if you be if you fall after you've been skewered under a lightsaber, then you just you just get, get, cut, get in cut in half. You're not which, skewered. Yeah, you, just, you know, mm. you're pierced. You just got pierced. You just got pierced by a saber. So of light. So I think where I was going was <laughs> uh, with the with the midichlorians. Okay, they had this cool thing, and they were like, it's basically magic. You know, it's mm-hmm. the it's the force. It's this stuff. That exists in all living things, right? They said that. Obi-Wan said mm-hmm. that. And and there's moments where like Alderaan explodes and then Obi-Wan is like, oh my gosh, I felt that from super far <laughs> from away. over here. Yeah. yeah. How long did it take? Does it travel at the speed of light? Right, quantum entanglement. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They're all entangled. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow- Super, How do you lift rocks? Well, that's the thing. Like somehow, <laughs> somehow you've got the force in your, in your goo, in your, blood. in your body goo. And then that lets you levitate rocks and stuff. Even though they don't have the force. They don't have the force. So, so they, they, they tried to kind of like go sciencey with it by explaining that there's some kind of a, 
like a like a bacterium. But is, is that that they interact with each other and that's how it works? I don't think so. That's why I don't, I don't think it's the case. Like having a lot of mitochondrions is how you interact with the mitochondrions. Because then two Jedi would be able to just like <laughs> explode each other instantaneously, right? <laughs> but so, nobody else. But nobody, so nobody else. Everybody else Jedi is just like, Let those weirdos just pop each other. <laughs> Jedi are only useful against other Jedi. But they're really going to do like flips. Yeah, so, 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 so they're just like running around doing flips and exploding. <laughs> But so, so I think, so this, so this leads to two questions. Okay. Okay. So one is, like so your force powers come from midichlorians. Okay. Like having a lot of them is a big deal. They come from your blood. They come from your blood. Anakin lost all of his limbs. And probably a lot of his blood. And a lot of his blood. Is he weaker as a Jedi now? Cause he just has less blood in his body. The question is, is the density of, of those midichlorians. Cause maybe they all, no, maybe they all, maybe they all sensed the lava. Or whatever the fuck he lost. And they all went into his torso. That went into his torso. So now he's just super dense, which is why he got more powerful. (laughs) Could be. He's like a a neutron star of midichlorians. So really they just need to line out, lop his head off. And just so that they're all in his brain. So you actually want to be the smallest. The smallest. That's why why Yoda was so That's why an Ewok. All right. All right. What's the question? Well, (laughs) there's, hold on. There's a second thing. There's a second thing I need to address here, which is. Uh, Anakin was like six or something. Okay. And they were like, ah, yeah, but he's too old. You know, we can't train him Mm because he's now, he has all these stupid ideas about the world because he's six now and he's learned all kinds of terrible things. And now we would have to unteach him all these things. Mm -hmm. And otherwise now he's going to become a terrible Jedi. Right. And they didn't teach him anything. No, they didn't teach him anything. They just skipped that. What's your point? The question is (laughs) if being six is too old, when do you, like what's the age at which you know a person is a Jedi, but also that they don't know enough about shit that you can start teaching well, them? Well, if it's their blood, can't you just test them as a baby? Or maybe there's normally maybe all Jedi are normally like part of a husbandry process. Ooh, so like you know who's no, because they're not who, supposed to wait, have wait, romantic relationships. Here's an interesting question. Yeah, well, then how do you make more of them if it's a I genetic? I don't know. Thing? None of this makes any sense. So isn't it isn't it the case that during during pregnancy, if there's some cases, some extreme cases in which the baby will actually send stem cells to the mother. Oh, so maybe the mother becomes so a Jedi. my question. Yeah. yeah. If you make a Jedi <laughs> an accident, does it actually turn the mom into a Jedi? It depends if it's coming from the stem cells or not. But what if it's coming from the blood? I mean, not necessarily. Well, this is a bigger question, though. Probably. Is a fetus capable of being a Jedi? <laughs> and what does that mean? At what point does Jedi begin? Yeah. And when can you... When, <laughs> yeah, do you... When is it legal? Like, right. Is it a Jedi just, like, right out of the gate? <laughs> Yeah. All right. What is the question? All right. So the question (laughs) question comes from Darth Ewok 99. If the Beast Scotch universe were made into a Lego movie, what could we expect the plot to look like? And who would be the main antagonist? Mm. We all saw Lego Batman. We saw Lego Batman. So good. Mm -hmm. It's going to be spoilers probably. In this conversation, but as we we established, people love spoilers. Yeah. (laughs) Every single one of you is going to wish that we spoilered it. Dumbledore. Everybody's like, oh, thank God. I I wanted to know what happened at the end of that movie. Mm -hmm. They use their abs. Yeah. That's what happens. Uh, That (laughs) movie. That's all I'm going to say. They, so it's, well, I think the real protagonist of the Lego Batman movie was abs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All so the other characters, including Batman, were just sort of side characters. Mm-hmm. So what would and be like the, the, the storyline for for a Butterscotch Universe Lego movie? Mm. Okay, so it has to obviously it has to have like a family vibe, right? It's all about building a family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Always. because of course uh, the original work. Yeah, the original Lego movie was all about uh, a father rediscovering mm-hmm. basically happiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 
where he had decided that playing was something he didn't do anymore. And instead he's going to glue all of his Legos together like a weirdo. Mm-hmm. So that's yep. a craggle. Yeah. And so, <laughs> Crack. and so, so the son was like, no nah, dad, you gotta like, you gotta play with the Legos. And the dad's like, Oh, and then that, and then right. lessons yes. were learned. So then the Lego Batman movie was Batman is alone. He's alone. He's alone in the world and he thinks he doesn't need anybody, but really he totally does. Well, he's afraid to need somebody. He's afraid to need somebody. Because you might lose them. Yeah. And it turns out you're less likely to lose them if you got other buddies. If you got buddies because then you work together as a team mm-hmm. using your abs. So yeah. Usually, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of family and sort of team vibes. So, I mean, Flux and Juice Box are an easy uh, sort of go-to combo. Yeah, but, yeah, but you have to have a character. They're difficult as, Lego, as Legos, though. I, I mean, Flux is obviously fine, but a Juice Box. Oh, I could see. Oh, well, but it's also it. the case that you are you need a main character with a flaw, right? Because in Lego Batman, you know, it's all about his... Not wanting to be with people, but they also like convert a flaw, right? Because like that, that's well, not really well, considered the, a flaw. The, the, the movie usual... is about the character overcoming the flaw, right? right? Mm-hmm. Because in the original Lego movie, it was the construction worker dude, mm-hmm. and he had no self confidence, right? Yeah. Right? Wasn't that what it was? Maybe I don't know. Something he, like he needed to, be to become builder. a master builder, yeah. yeah, but he for some reason wasn't. And then finally, him. like there's a scene where he like gets up when he does his rallying speech, and it was like, oh my god, right. and then. Now, now he has turned around as a character and now he's leading everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to come up with a movie plot on the spot rhymes. Yeah. But at least we got a good framework. <laughs> yeah. We, we know de- how to do it. There's definitely going to be abs. We're not I mean, gonna do that. We got time. We're over. We're over limits. <laughs> yeah. Let's get out of here. All right, you guys, this has been coffee with butterscotch. Thank you all for listening. And if you want to get your questions on to next week's podcast, head on over to podcast.bscotch.net. Throw some questions in there. All right, we'll see you guys next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.